Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is this the real life or is this just a fictional reality? Hello and welcome back everyone after a a long break. Uh, I've been traveling across space and time, visiting a whole bunch of crazy rapscallions and friends out there, and I do apologize. It did take me a little bit longer to get back to 2020, but if I'm honest, I wanted to miss uh, the crazy part of the pandemic, so I thought I'd just come uh, a little bit afterwards. Uh, and here I am. Uh, missed the, the great toilet paper scarcity. That wasn't fun for anyone. Uh, I remember reading about that and thought, yeah, I'm not going to be there for that one. So... Here I am, uh, as everything starts to uh, seemingly return back to normal, but uh, look, just don't take take that with a grain of salt. Now, this week, uh, and for this season, uh, I'm pleased to say I have a great lineup, a great schedule of uh, experienced designers, puzzle, uh, puzzle designers, puzzle and experienced designers, uh, escape room enthusiasts, and people of that nature, people of the puzzle experienced design world. Uh, I got them. I got a whole bunch of great guests lined up. Our first one today is going to be Kezia Jarrett from Seraphim Escape. Uh, this is an escape room in Ipswich, which is located as, uh, close to Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, where I'm from. And uh, Seraphim Escape Rooms has the title of the scariest escape room in Brisbane. Uh, potentially, I haven't checked, but you'll have to ask Kezia yourself. I think it's the scariest escape room in the state, if not even the country. Uh, I have been told it's quite quite scary so Kezia has designed these she has a she's very passionate probably one of the most passionate uh, escape room designers and owners that I've, I've met and that I know of uh, she just loves it she really loves the user experience so we have just a quick ch- uh, a quick but in-depth chat about experience design what's important um, a little bit about what in went into how she designed her latest room and a few of the inspirations and things that she loves about experiencing escape rooms. So, look, without much further ado, here's the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Let's begin. Kezia. Hello. Hello. I'm Kezia. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Thank you for coming on to Fictional Reality, first episode of the new season. <laughs> no worries. Happy to be here. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but, you know, whatever. Well, uh, happy to be with you on the internet. Um, so you want me to introduce myself, yeah? Yeah, please. Who are you? What do you do? What's your favourite uh, food? My, my name is Kezia. I own an escape room in Ipswich called Seraphim Escape. I do all the um, game design, set design, building, um, pretty much do everything here except for the tech, which my husband does. And I'm an escape room enthusiast, love escape rooms, played over a hundred now. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. A hundred is a hell of a number. What is one takeaway? Uh, what, what's one thing you can say about having played a hundred or more escape rooms? Like, does that make you a professional? Um, 
Uh, I would say yes, but that's not that doesn't mean that I don't sometimes still fail games. Mm. Um, I'd say it makes me a professional in like a. I can. I'm. I'm much more judgmental than I used to be. <laughs> like, as in, I. When there's like some games that I've played that have been absolutely amazing and. Um, I have to like step back and see a room for what it is if when it's not at that level sometimes, mm. you know? Yeah. Not yeah. be just so judgmental. So I'm a professional in that I'm more judgmental than I used to be. I used to love every single escape room I played always. I feel like I'm, I'm a critic now. Yeah, well, that you have done, it's fair to say like you're in a, a smaller tier of people, but that a lot of the escape rooms that you would have played had been built by people who have had less experience than you. Uh, yeah. But, but like when I started building escape rooms, I didn't have this much experience, but yeah, now, nowadays, yeah, I would say the majority of people who are building escape rooms have played less than me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. An interesting thing. Yeah. Um, so you have designed three four escape rooms like just in terms of design i've designed a few more than that but currently i have three escape rooms that are open at the venue i'm at Mm -hmm. but i've probably designed like actual escape rooms maybe six yeah right so what is your can you give us an outline of how you go about actually designing an escape room experience um for me i usually the main thing i I have like a process, which I didn't realize until I'd done a few. And then I was like, oh, I do this the same every time. Um, Usually I start with a general overall theme and then I work on a story to match that theme. And then I kind of work out very vaguely what the puzzles will be um, and how they fit into the story. And then the very last thing I do is create the puzzles. Often I will have finished the entire room without actually having finished the puzzles yet. Because Mm. to me personally, I feel like the puzzles need to come last because they need to be cohesive with the rest of it. And they, you can't, for me, you can't just throw a puzzle in and think that's going to be good enough. It needs to work in with the rest of the game. Yeah. When you say work in, what do you mean? So if there is a story, especially um, like if there's a story throughout the game that you're going to learn, um, for example, let's just say in the story, um, the, the character, like the NPC, um, has a series of things that they did. You're going to have to sort of follow their steps to find out where they got to where they were, right? Mm. And so I feel like you can't just put in like random puzzles. You need to make put in puzzles that are going to make sense as to what that NPC did first for you to know what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, so, as if you're doing a murder mystery or something like that, you're going to have to follow murder mystery kind of clues. And generally speaking, you wouldn't find like a like a random cipher in a murder mystery room unless it makes sense of the story. And I feel like you need to know the story well mm-hmm. before you can just throw puzzles in. Yeah. Sometimes right. a cipher can work in a murder mystery, but it depends on the NPCs, on the characters and on the story. Yeah, like a cipher works well in a murder mystery if it's like a Zodiac killer or like the serial killer yeah, who makes exactly. codes and ciphers. Um, exactly. So story, I agree. I think that story is like, one, really important to the enjoyment of the yeah. game, but two, really good way to like 
teach people how to interact with the room. Um, yep. What is your process for like delivering story? How, what are the elements you use to, so someone walks into a, your escape room, how do they mm-hmm. get go? How do they learn? Okay. This is the world. What this the is the person. Is? Yeah. How do they learn what the story yeah. is? So a few ways, first of all, within the briefing, we normally tell the story, but then also I feel like it should be different for every room at the moment for all of our rooms. We've got like a video, like all of our rooms at the moment that we have running, the concept is that the reason you're stuck in there is because someone is challenging you, either the executioner or Santa, like someone's (laughs) challenging you, which is a little bit different to a murder mystery. So like, at the beginning of these games, you get an introduction, for example, from the executioner saying, this is why you're here. You have been bad. You've sinned and you need to pay for your sins. So for those, I have an audio or a video play for the executioner, kind of like Saw style, you know, when like Mm -hmm. Saw comes up on the little TV. Um, For our room that we're building at the moment, it's going to be quite different to that. We're going to go down more of a... We're going to use a little bit of augmented reality, a little bit of video, a little bit of audio to because you're following a ghost, you know. So right. we're going to have snippets of like the ghost talking, like like you can hear her, or um, like you might see something in augmented reality that shows you the path that she's been down, and you're going to have to follow that. Or um, we've got a projector that will eventually actually show you the ghost when you save her, um, mm. and also through. I really want to make the clues very cohesive to the story so that you learn about the character as you play. Like you learn the things that she likes, doesn't like, the things that scare her, um, you know, the reasons why she died, (laughs) the reasons, (laughs) the reasons like the way that she, the, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And like what, um, what inspired you then to want to make, um, an escape room experience where a part of the experience or like a big part of the experience is learning about this person's like death and, and why there it goes. Yeah. What was the inspiration? A couple of escape rooms that I played in Melbourne specifically, um, Ukiyo's crumbling prince and escape room Melbourne's, um, fractured. Um, those games were very much storytelling games and they did it so so well Mm. um very much through audio audio was a huge thing in those games Mm. um like ethereal kind of audios or like you're literally talking to an npc like a uh what do you call it a um scarecrow sometimes um but like through those games i like i actually felt things beyond fun scared or, you know, the things you normally might feel in an escape room excitement. Mm. I felt like a connection to the characters and that Mm. made me think, I want to do that. I feel like the video games that I love, like Zelda, The Witcher, um, things like that, they have storylines. And for me personally, I connect with the characters and Mm. I feel upset when bad things happen to the characters or excited when good things happen. Like I played The Witcher twice just because I wasn't happy with the ending that the main character had I was like this cannot happen to him I need to do this again you know because I just cared so much about that character yeah and I want to try and cultivate that in a one-hour experience in my Mm. escape room because I just feel like 
those games are so memorable, not because of the puzzles, not even necessarily like the set design and stuff, they were good, but mm. it was because I felt like I somewhat understood the character. Mm, that's so interesting. Um, mm. I, I have had this intuition for a little while now. And I mean, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Creating like a character that you can emotionally connect to. And I guess yeah. writers talk about this a lot about the character. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain point where they're writing the character where the character sort of starts making their own decisions and they are just yep. the medium for this, for this being. Well, um, the interesting thing about these two particular escape rooms is Ukiyo has, they've got like 10 crumbling princes coming, right? And they, he's written the stories for all of them. So he already knows the characters back to front because he wrote the stories. Escape Room Melbourne, the owner, Owen, it's based on his actual father. So, again, he knows the character very intimately, you know? So, mm. like, for me, I feel like to create a character, you have to write, you like, beyond what's happening in the room, you need to understand the character. So another right. thing I learned from an owner from um, Labyrinth Escape Rooms in Sydney Um she said that she writes these huge stories about the characters mm. that you may mostly don't learn about in the game, Yeah, but it's just so that you understand the character. So when you're writing the game, it's easier to create those, yeah, connections. Yeah, right. Well, this is all very, very fascinating. Do you think, so are you familiar with um, Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey? No. It's um, so Joseph Campbell was a sort of a historian and a philosopher in the sort of mid uh, 20th century. And he uh, sort of did a lot of research and did a lot of analyzing of ancient myths from all different indigenous cultures on the planet, as well as contemporary Western myths. And then discovered that there's a certain, there's a meta myth. Yeah. Yeah. And so the hero's journey is just anything you see in, in any sort of popular film or book or character, it's that same thing where you meet the character, they get a call to an action, you know, they, they're dissatisfied with something, they get a chance to go on some adventure. That adventure mm-hmm. pushes them, they change, they come back a different person. So, yep. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. a good way. I've never thought of that. So that's, a, that's actually very helpful. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And it, it's popped up, I... For me, every now and again, it pops up, especially when I go back into like, I wanted to be a writer in my early 20s and sort of discovered it then. And it keeps popping up. And the more I'm going down this narrative focus of creating experiences and finding the difficulty in that, like it is easy just to like put a whole bunch of puzzles together and and put that effort onto the player of like, well, you figure it out. But really it's like, no, if I want them to engage with it, I need that narrative and yeah, I'm just thinking like, how do you incorporate this, this, this feeling or this act structure of putting that player through that journey? Like either the player yeah. goes through the journey or the player watches the character yeah. of the experience. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering in your, if, I mean, if you, it's in development at the moment, I know, yeah. but how how do you anticipate connecting this like journey of the character like is it through the puzzles is it through the the narrative yeah it's both so um 
yeah, as as you said, it is in development. So some of the things I say may end up not being the case. Mm. But basically, I I want it to start out that you are you're like ghost hunters, and you're but not ghost hunters to get rid of ghosts, but to like free the ghosts. Like ghosts are in purgatory, so you're uh, you're so you're going to try and find out what happens so she can be free because she's got unfinished business, right. and so you're going to go in with just a little bit of information about her. Um, and then throughout the game, I really want to use audio. So, um, like, like ethereal, um, like, like you're listening to something from the past. Right. Right. You know? Um, and then also the augmented reality, we want the augmented reality to be incredibly basic, like basically just like a pulsing orb over what you need to work on next. But the idea with that being that, the ghost is taking you on her journey because she got to a place and she needs you to find that place. So you need to take those steps. Um, and then within that, the puzzles should hopefully frame that, um, like show you that some of that story as well. Hmm. And then as you get through the game, I'm hoping that we can make the story a little bit more intense. So like a few little twists, like you think that you figured it out and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, that makes sense, but I wasn't expecting it, you know? Right, right. And, then it, and, and also like some, as I said before, I want to have a projector in there. So when you free the ghost, she she's going to like thank you for, for freeing her hmm. um, and then maybe use that as well to show you the end of her story, hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, that's kind of the plan, but yeah, it's a work in progress. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds awesome. Like it sounds right up my alley of, especially, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm an, I've got amateur numbers in terms of escape rooms, but um, I have thought for a while now that escape rooms, at least in Australia, when I first got into them were very much like the arcades of the 1970s in the US, mm-hmm. you know, they were just, very simple objectives. Um, and then as video games evolved over the next few decades, they started to become so story focused. Yes. It seemed to me that escape room experiences, that's going to be their natural trajectory as well Is that. I agree. Stories are going to have to be the the main things that we really go on. I feel very grateful that I got into it when it was still new in Australia because Mm. I feel like I don't know how, I don't know, yeah, as things change, people will change and stuff, but I don't know how I would have gotten to this point if I hadn't been through all of that. And I feel like the standard for escape rooms is going to keep rising and rising and um, like some escape rooms that open are just not going to be, like they're going to be at the quality that we were at four or five years ago, Mm. you know? Yeah. Um, And it's going to be a lot harder for them to get to a higher standard. If that makes That's sense. Right. And hopefully they get, they'll help you in the sense that as long as they don't drive people away, they will, their standard will elevate you relatively. True, as like true. if you're years ahead of them in terms of at least quality and, um, and experience in the industry, people can go, Oh, that yeah. was a fun, weird puzzle thing. It's like, well, if you want to see the real good shit, you would go to Kezia. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I will say like one of my rooms, Atonement, I like, I would say Atonement is without a doubt my best room for a few reasons, which I'm not going to tell you because it would give away a few things, but there are twists in Atonement that, uh, that are shocking without being gory, scary, anything like that. Right. Um, 
I mean, some people find it scary, but not like jump scare scary. Mm. Um, and I, I love atonement and people think like I've been to escape rooms that are very high quality as far as set design and, um, you know, very beautiful and clearly they've put a lot and a lot of money into it. Um, but if it's lacking the story, none of that matters. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it can still be a really average escape room, even though it looks so beautiful, yeah. you know, I don't know how much atonement cost me. I'd rather not think about it, but <laughs> it's still not even close to some, like, like everything was secondhand or very mm. cheap apart from, you know, cameras or things that I really needed. Like, hmm. you know, and it was all done by me and my husband. Yeah. So I think throwing mon- money into it doesn't make a better experience. Absolutely. And uh, I think there's there's another relationship there where you can have a great story, but if the puzzles uh, don't sort of like aren't augmenting the story, if it's like, oh, yeah. then you you miss out on the story. And I, you know, I played one yeah. where I went in and it was just, I was, I could tell the story was really cool. Um, by based on, you know, things I was picking up, but I couldn't piece the story together because I didn't understand what all the puzzles were doing. It was just a little bit too yeah. um, parallel for my liking. And yeah. I came out of it going sort of, Oh yeah, that, that was a really cool story, but I didn't get any of that while I was playing the game because it was just, it was too much. It was too, too parallel of a room for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like definitely the more escape rooms I play, the more I get over the love of puzzles. Like I love puzzles. Mm. That's definitely part of it. But the more I play, the more it's like that barely matters. I mean, it does obviously, but that's not the most like, yeah, it's, there's so much more. I'm finding the same thing. Even when I myself play games like I've been playing a few, I've been um, buying some online during COVID and just playing them at home. And uh, yeah, it's that same old thing. It's, it's fascinating to watch my own experience as a player, as someone who's like loves puzzles um, to sort of put them second nature to wanting that story that, and it comes down to that emotional resonance. Like I want to resonate emotionally with the thing. I don't want to just like plug the things together for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, exactly. that brings us into the next bit, which is um, for people out there who themselves want to design experiences, even if it's not an escape room or, you know, just like something for their partner at home. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give us any sort of like either tips and tricks or what is a great place to start if we want to design our own experiences for people? Okay. I will say I've, so some escape rooms I've designed like I said, I've done six like actual escape rooms, but I've done a lot of smaller experiences for friends or family, whatever. I would say what it would be super important to, because, because keep in mind, not everybody loves puzzles. Not everybody's good at puzzles. Um, is to make it relatively simple, fun and linear. Mm. Um, the reason I say linear is because if you're making an at home experience, um, then you want people to be able to follow the path and make sense of it. Um, and also actually, sorry, it doesn't have to be linear as long as like I've done ones that are like, you have to find six answers and you can find them in any order. Mm. But if it's like, 
if it's like a treasure hunt style where you're trying to get to one thing to end up getting to the very last object, then I say linear. Um, it's really good to like, especially if you don't have that much experience with escape rooms and even me having experience to go online and look up escape room puzzles. The first link that comes up is 101 escape room puzzle ideas, Mm. right? You don't have to like, they're just ideas and they can give you, yeah, they can give you a little start. Um, Decide on how many locked things you want, how many, um, you know, what, like the theme is good. So for example, a Christmas gift, you know, you don't have to follow a story for that because it's just for your friend or whatever. But if you just make it all Christmas themed, then that's good. You want to <laughs> make a maths puzzle, make the maths puzzle Christmas themed, put Christmas tree, whatever, yeah. you know, stick to the theme of whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did one for my husband that was like a um, the office themed treasure hunt and um, <laughs> like, cause we love the office and basically just sticking to that theme. The puzzles don't have to be hard. They don't have to be whatever, mm-hmm. but just sticking to that theme makes it really fun and silly and entertaining. I was reminded of that quote um, that I, I just heard recently again was, um, a bad puzzle makes the designer feel smart, whereas a good puzzle makes the players feel smart. Exactly. And what you want is to make the players feel smart. You don't want to make your players feel stupid. No. Like nobody enjoys feeling stupid. Mm. So, yeah. And I would, I would say that something I come across a lot, as well as in the games design industry, is this, there's maybe a, a subconscious feeling, sometimes an overt feeling that, People want other people to go, wow, you are a really good game designer or you're really smart or this is such an incredible like design that you've come up with. And mm-hmm. the only way people are going to have, in my opinion, the only way people will actually have that response, if, that, if they have that at all, is by them going, I feel so good. Like this has yeah, made me feel absolutely. so great. And I've had emotions when I've been doing this thing. Um, maybe Absolutely. Then. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and like, I mean, when it comes to escape rooms specifically, because they have a time limit, I personally believe that it is important for teams to win. I want every single team to win. Even if it means I need to give them 50 clues, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's important for them to win because they are here. They've paid me money to have a good time and an experience and experience it, you know? So for me, it's important for them to win. So even if it means adding extra time, giving extra hints, I don't care. They've paid to have fun and I want them to have fun. The last thing I want, um, because I can hear them while they're in there, like there are microphones in the room so I can hear them. Mm -hmm. If I start hearing frustration in their voices, they're not having a good time anymore, Mm. you know? So I want to get in there before they start getting too frustrated and make sure that they enjoy themselves and that everything makes sense. And then the debrief after explaining things to them, if they really didn't get it, normally if it's explained to them, they do. And they're like, ah, of course, you know? And then again, they don't feel so stupid because Mm. they do actually understand it. They just didn't get it in the moment. Man, that's something I found that was a real skill you had to develop is um, coming in, especially when a team hasn't escaped or hasn't solved a puzzle, um, Mm -hmm. being able to explain the room in a way that, and this is comes down to I think good room design as well, good puzzle design. Yeah, is when when you explain the puzzles that they go, that's my fault. Yeah, 
I, yeah. I should have done this. I should have done that. Ah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I would have realised, yeah. I, I, I would have been able to work that out if I'd, if I'd have just realised. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm. What's exactly. his... Um, I've definitely well, done rooms with puzzles where I, I didn't get the puzzles and then even afterwards when they were explained to me, I was like, uh, okay, I kind of see what you've done, but I don't know how anyone would come to that conclusion, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially not in a tight, con- like with five minutes of time to be able to yeah. figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that is great. Well, we'll keep this nice and short, but there's a heap of great information packed in there. Um, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, try and keep it on theme. I think that's really important. Um, yes. And something I've taken if away from what you just tell the story that's the other one yeah tell the story let the puzzles augment the story yeah Um, i keep going back to video games really as as a way to design experiences that's what it it is it's a real life video game it's interesting that um escape rooms and these immersive puzzle experiences have come after video games as an industry because they, they require less technology than a video game yeah yeah true yeah. Um, but in some sense, I guess we just, we just needed to sort of be, um, just understand the concept of, I guess, being a protagonist in a story rather than just an audience member. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's a pretty good point. Like, yeah. Like making teams go in feeling like they are, they are the character in the game. They are the one doing the things. That's, yeah, that's what sets it apart from a movie or a TV show. You are, you are the person, you are the character. Yeah. And, and you have to, and the stakes are on you. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just imagining like putting a 17th century or an 18th century person into an escape room. They'd be like, well, I don't understand. I'm supposed to just sit here and enjoy it, my dear. It's like, no, no, you have to play yeah. it. Play? I do not play. <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Thank you for coming on, Kez. Uh, is there anything you'd like to spruik, uh to tell the good people about uh, about yourself? Um, no, not really. Um, if you want to follow my Facebook, I haven't been posting much because I've been lazy, but... Um, but I did want to say just before we end, uh, I've seen your things with the cereal box puzzle. The mystery puzzle. The cereal box is looking so cool. Thank you so much. It's yeah. So I love the picture you put up this morning with the keys in the bowl. <laughs> in the bowl. Look, there's That's a lot really to be cool. played with. Thank you um, for, yeah. for pivoting this plug back onto me. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it this morning when I saw it. I was like thinking, I'm going to have to tell him because I don't know. I just don't comment on things very much, mm. you know? Yeah, so. me too. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you know, the, the mystery puffs are my experiment in mm-hmm. one. I've sold a lot of envelopes filled with mysteries and some of them, uh, which I'm not, I'm not proud of this, but they've gone out with, with flaws in them. Let's just say. Um, I sold like five puzzles once and then like three days later, someone's like, Hey, uh, I'm having real trouble with this. And, uh, I just realized I didn't put a crucial element in this envelope. Mm -hmm. And I've been expecting four more people to contact me to be like, we can't solve this. We don't get it. No one has Mm -hmm. done it. No one has contacted me. 
And anyway, I'm going on a big tangent, but it's a, it's an attempt to try and get people to engage from the get go, make them go, I want to open this. I want to play this game. I want to, I want to get involved with it. Yeah. That's really cool. I like it. Alrighty. I'm going to stop recording. Uh, thank you very much, Kez. This will be the end of the interview, but we will continue to chat after here. Um, and for anyone that's interested in hearing the rest of what we talk about, uh, unfortunately there is no behind the scenes, so you just won't know. <laughs> you miss out. You miss You're out. Welcome for bringing it up. <laughs> You'll have to come to the escape room enthusiasts, uh, brunch, secret brunch that doesn't yet exist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Come to that. <laughs> All right. We'll see you then. Au revoir, everybody. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen, and anyone in between, Kezi Jarrett from Seraphim Escape. Great interview. She's a great friend of mine, uh, and we get along like a house on fire. If you're interested in following either of us, feel free to check out her Instagram at Seraphim Escape, or come and check out the progress of my puzzles and immersive experiences over at The Puzzled Maker at Instagram. That's my Instagram hashtag. Check out my website, puzzledreality.com, or this interview is also being uploaded Uh, onto Spotify, and if you're watching this on YouTube, or if you're listening to this on Spotify, it's on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's on Spotify. So you can get it in both places. Uh, Thank you for listening. Feel free to give this a like, give it a rating, tell your friends. Uh, I'm going to be giving you more short episodes about how to create immersive designs and immersive experiences. So catch you next time. Thank you, everyone.